I believe we take a lot of what we learned in how to live in life and apply that to business. But so much of that set us up to be a good, hardworking, permission-seeking employee. And the moment you're in business, you are not an employee. And if you're operating your business like an employee, you're just working harder and longer and sitting there probably going, I've worked so hard for this, I deserve it. Well, of course you deserve it, but working harder doesn't cause or guarantee anything. And so we need to approach it a different way. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. Welcome to the Boss Babe Podcast, a place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance and learning how to balance it all. I'm your host, Natalie Ellis, and this episode is going to be a good one. So buckle up. I discovered James Wedmore really by chance. When I came back to work, I was really looking to restructure the way I was running the business. And my big belief is that success leaves clues. And so I started looking for a mentor, an entrepreneur in the space who had had a business of a similar size to mine and had been able to really restructure it so that it supported the lifestyle he wanted to live, which brought me to James Wedmore and his signature program, Business by Design. I think I spent maybe an hour diving into his stuff before I realized, okay, we are going to need to be friends and I'm going to need to find out everything you did so that I can implement it because it is an absolute game changer. And so I managed to convince him to sit down with me for three hours to record podcasts, which was basically me picking his brain and finding out the answers to every question I had and that I know you have. And so what we ended up doing was turning this episode into two episodes because it was so long. But if you're anything like me, when you dive in, you are not going to want to stop listening. So what you can do if you want to instantly unlock part two of this access and get immediate access to another secret podcast that I recorded which was an entire part three of mine and James's podcast. And I dived into my personal biggest needle movers behind the Boss Babe brand and really how I've built my dream life along the way and built a business that allows me the amount of freedom that I do have. So if after listening to this, you're like, I am not waiting another couple of days, I want it now. All you need to do is go to bossbabe.com forward slash secret that's bossbabe.com forward slash secret right now and you'll get part two instantly and you'll get my version of part three. So in this episode, we are going to talk all about freedom, time, location, financial, and of course that inner freedom that I've been talking about. James goes into a lot of detail about the things that really make his business work. We talk about building a revenue engine, how to build a team around you, and how to really delegate for success, especially for those of you who might find delegation really challenging. Probably one of my longest podcasts yet, and it's absolutely my favorite. So with that, let's dive straight into the episode with James. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Natalie. I'm excited. I'm so excited. And I want to start with something that blows my mind and is what really inspired me and attracted me to your work is you have an eight-figure company with eight team members. 
to yeah. me, yeah. that is <laughs> heavenly. Yes. And when I have been listening to you speak and diving into your work, it really has shown me there's a better way of doing things. And I know myself and so many other women that I know have been in a place where it felt like the only way through was burnout and just mm -hmm. like burning the candle at all ends and hiring team member after team member and building this company that feels quite bloated. And when I listen to you speak, I'm like, there's a, wait, there's another way. Can yeah. you please tell me about that? Right. Yeah. And so how did all of this come about? How have you been able to build what you've been able to build? By making every single mistake possible. And that is something that I look back on my own journey and have the most gratitude for. I struggled really badly for, for four and a half years before I saw anything. I'm saying like I had to move back in with my mom and dad. I got addicted to my sister's Adderall medication. I don't have ADHD and I was popping 20 milligrams a day. I got down to 140 pounds. I was working 16 hours a day in front of my laptop, losing money, like literally going into debt, asking my mom for money every couple of weeks to the point where she's like begging me, please, you have to get this thing to work because I can't keep paying you and give you money and, and, and paying my bills. That's, that's heartbreaking. So I went through a lot of painful experiences and I look back to where I am today and I, I inherited my dad's stubbornness. And when I learned to use that stubbornness correctly, it's benefited me way more. And the, the way I look at things today is when things get hard and how, how you shared it with so many of your listeners where, well, I just double down or I effort my way or I hustle my way, or it's either, it becomes binary. It's either money or my, my time. It's either pay for the solution or pay with it with my time and my 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 effort and i believe there can always be another way and that that stubbornness caused me to think more creatively and outside of the box and i think it comes down at a bigger level to the fact that most people aren't even wired for entrepreneurship and so they're not actually thinking or acting like an entrepreneur needs to be I always get in trouble because I, um, I kind of poo poo like the public education system as it did a massive disservice for, for entrepreneurship. And so I believe we take a lot of what we learned in how to live in life and apply that to business. But so much of that set us up to be a good, hardworking, permission seeking employee. And the moment you're in business, you are not an employee. And if you're operating your business like an employee, you're just working harder and longer and sitting there probably going, I've worked so hard for this, I deserve it. Well, of course you deserve it, but working harder doesn't cause or guarantee anything. And so we need to approach it a different way. And that's what I had to do through those painful experiences. I finally surrendered and said, there's got, there's got to be a better way. And there is, it's just different. It's just a different approach, you know, so we can unpack that as much as you want and go in any direction you want, but that's kind of the big the big picture of how I see it. So when you were in a place where you were losing money, was that just the cost of the business were just way higher than what you were actually making? Yeah. So there was a, there was a point, this was 2014, I believe where I got a, I got a phone call from my CPA and she says, I got good news and I got bad news for you. And, and it's never good news when they <laughs> say they have both. Truth. So, um, I, uh, she goes, you've made the most money in January. It was this February of 2014. She says, you made the most money in January that you've ever made in a non like big promotion, just like money coming in the door. She says, $70,000. I'm like, that's amazing. What could possibly be bad news? She goes, well, your expenses were 75. And I can, 
I could tell you where where I was standing when I heard that because I got tunnel vision and I dropped to my knees and I had a panic attack. And there was a voice in my head, it's my voice, that just went on loop and it said, this was it, this is it, this is the end, it's over. I hope you enjoyed it while it lasts, kid. And I think up until that point, I had been doing what a lot of entrepreneurs do, which is when you see a little success, you start to think, this must be, and I'm sure you went through this. Oh, yes. This must, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. This is too good to be true. Maybe this was a fluke. And then when anything happens, you're like, that's the evidence. I knew it. And this is the end. And that was really scary. I had a hard time dealing with that because I remember going to like a restaurant and like looking at your server and being jealous because like, at least you get paid. I'm losing money. At least you, you do a job and you're done at 5 p.m. or whenever you get off work and you, you get money and then you can go play video games or go hang out with your friends or do whatever you wanna do and see your family or whatever and I don't. And I'm taking this with me 24 hours a day even while asleep. And um, obviously I love that quote of entrepreneurs are willing to do what most others aren't so they can experience what most others can't. And that I had to remind myself of. So in that instance, Natalie, what was happening was I was being a really immature, irresponsible entrepreneur. And this is a phase. So business growth happens in stages. And this is what I want everyone to understand. Business growth happens in stages. There's a startup stage. There's a stage where like something's working and now we need to double down on it. There's a scaling stage. And in this stage, well, I realize in every stage, you, you have, there's a different strategy. There's a different mindset. There's a different way of being that you need to be in each of these stages. And we don't adapt. Some are harder. Some we like, wow, I've kind of leaned into this one. But we kind of have this fixed mindset and this fixed approach for the totality and the, the timeline and growth of your business. So I would imagine, you know, having a new, a new child, like how you parent your child now is going to differ based on when they're in high school and they become rebellious, right? So we have to adapt how we are with the business as it grows. And I was not doing that. And so I got to this place where I was making money. And this is what so many of us do once we make the money is we start being irresponsible with the money and we just start throwing money at the problem. So when we have money, instead of throwing our time at it, we throw our money at it. Up until that point, I'd been throwing my time. Now I got, I got money. Here, you figure it out. You fix it. You do it. And now all that, all that did was it perpetuated the problem and created a new one, which is you don't have money. You're losing money. And this is where the huge epiphany, the big, really big one um, really came through. I mentioned video games. I'm kind of a, a kind of a nerd, more like just a big kid. I, I like, uh, you know, like playing with toys like Legos. And that's what I do in my spare time is I build Legos. I think when we have a digital business and everything's like intangible, I like to do something with my hands. And I remember just playing with Legos and realizing like an eight-year-old kid can build a 2000 piece complex thing on a box. And what I was dealing with were grown arse adults who couldn't build a freaking landing page. I'm like, come on. And I'm paying them like $40 an hour. I'm like, what is happening here? And um, I, my brain either went to like, maybe I need to hire an eight-year-old kid that can build Legos or I need to build my business the same way that Lego creates their kits. And that was the huge, the first of many huge light bulb moments that completely changed the business. Because if you look at a Lego instruction manual, it's the step-by-steps, one, two, 
three, one piece at a time, one step at a time. And it's so simple that everyone, even the eight-year-old kid gets it right. And I said, I realize I haven't been doing that, that I've been treating any team member that I hire, any person that I work with the same way that I treat myself, which is just figure it out. Mm. And I want, I expect them to be a mind reader, right? I expect them to have my experience and my level of care. They should care as much as I do. That probably won't happen. So good luck with that. And so what I did is I did this um, thing where I just blocked everything off my calendar for two weeks. And I sat down, I said, what's one thing that we do all the time that takes a lot of work? And at the time I was doing webinars very consistently, like once every two or three weeks. And I mapped out in a Google doc, step-by-step how to do a webinar. And I'm talking like log in at the time we used go to webinar, log in to go to webinar, www.gotowebinar.com. Press the button in the upper right hand corner. I mean, painstaking detail, things that entrepreneurs love doing, right? Details. I hated it. I hated doing it, but I said it's so I had funny. to. so funny. Entrepreneurs are terrible. Details, yes, we are big picture. And that's a good thing. <laughs> that's Stay big picture, stay visionary, but the business still needs it. Yeah. So it was a painful process for me to do it. And it took two weeks. And it ends up, I forget the exact number today, but it's like, I've asked people, I said, how many steps do you think are involved in creating a webinar? I don't know. It's like 15. I was like, no, it's 78. Like we don't, we collapse it so much. We have, we don't even, we take for granted how awesome we are. We're juggling so many balls and hats all the time that we take for granted. Do you see what you just did? You just made this whole complex thing work. So I mapped it out step-by-step like a Lego instruction manual. And then I went on to a little website called onlinejobs.ph where you can hire uh, virtual assistants in different countries like the Philippines for very inexpensive. And I just, no training, nothing. I just handed it to them. And I said, let me know when it's done. 48 hours later, they said, okay. And they just give me a link. And the link is to the registration page. So I tested it. The registration works. It works on mobile. Email sends me to a thank you page with a calendar reminder. All of a sudden I'm getting, I'm getting the email reminders. It's adding me to the go-to webinar. It's all, it's all set up. And what took me two weeks to build out as a process took someone 36 hours or, you know, two days of work to build out. And there wasn't a single mistake. There wasn't anything wrong. And that's when I realized that how we approach business has to be different. That how you start as an entrepreneur must be different than how we run a business. And that the more structure and simplicity you put in the business, the more freedom you get back in your life. And that changed everything. I got obsessed and we created an instruction manual for, for, for everything, a standard operating procedure, a process for everything. Today, we use that term. We, let's processize it. And, uh, and then recently, back in 2020, I was, I was a little bored, you know, like a lot of people were. They're in their home for a while. And so I started another business and I started an Airbnb business. We've taken that to 750000 a year with, with four properties. And I built a new team. We processed everything to how we have guests check in and check out and how we communicate them, process the whole thing. You know, have an A, uh, it's one person and a cleaning crew that runs the whole thing. And it's like this streamlined clockwork machine. And that's what really gets me jazzed up today is most entrepreneurs go on a personal development journey. I'm sure you've grown tremendously since the day you said, I want to start a business. And you, you realize that as you grow, you see that manifest in the business. I grow, the business grows. So that growth comes from the inside, you know, who I'm becoming, what I'm letting go of, what I'm learning, what, how I'm rewiring and changing my thinking and and, and what I say to myself and how I feel and that boom, I'm, I'm growing. I see that effect. But as you, you look at your business, it has to happen the same way. That if growth occurs from the inside with us, growth needs to occur 
from within the business. And that's not how people are approaching business. They're going, what's the latest cool tactic or strategy that the gurus are hiding mm-hmm. in their secret vault? What, what do you need to do? What do you need to do? What is it I need to do? Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And it's like, don't get me wrong. We still need right strategies. You know, Tony Robbins always says you can head east all day long, but you're never going to watch a sunset. So we need the right strategy. But so much of the growth that we've seen is because I took that concept of from the inside out growth and applied it at a macro level to a small little business. And when we did that, there's a couple other pieces that, that come to that in another story associated, but when we started putting that structure in, I did it like a black Wednesday, I fired everybody and we started over. In fact, one of the people we started over with is here today. That was seven and a half, eight years ago and still with me. And we took the business from two to 10 million in, in one year just by doing that, because all of a sudden we could handle what we wanted. Mm. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. And I, yes, all of this. And so, okay, let's just even go to you starting to put a lot of things into processes. I'm sure you've seen there was a lot of busyness going on. And is that why you then decided to fire your team? It was kind of like, cause I know I've been in that situation before where sadly I've had to do something similar. Cause I started to look at people's rhythms and roles and realize we don't need a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But that's a really hard decision to make, especially when you know, you love your team. And I think I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs kind of sitting there wishing they could be working from a blank slate right now because they've mm-hmm. built these businesses with so much complexity and it feels like mm-hmm. there's so much going on, there's so much busyness. They're kind of saying for themselves, it would be so much easier if I could just start again. And even as I'm saying it, I know so many people that would be saying this, when and how do you decide when is the right time to kind of make a bit of a blank slate and say, okay, I'm mm-hmm. going to take what I've learned and do things a little bit differently. Yeah. There's a, there's an old Zen saying leap and the net will appear. And someone interviewed me once and they said, what's the biggest leap you've ever taken? And I said, I said, that's really hard for me to answer. Actually, I don't think I've taken big leaps. I think they're calculated risks and steps in the right direction. So I always encourage entrepreneurs to not make brash, dramatic, uh, emotional decisions. Like I'm shutting it all down tomorrow and I want the world to know. And, and I was like, <laughs> I've never done that. And I think I'm a little bit more calculated. So my version of a, of a black Wednesday was I had two other freelancers and like a part-time person and, and like, yeah, within 30, 45 days, they were all, all gone. Mm-hmm. But it was like, what it really happened first was there was conversations And so there's a quote that I love that I apply to business whenever the moment you're working with another team member. And I know there's probably people listening that are like, I'm not ready for a team and all that. So that's totally understandable. It's not like you need to go hire a team today and solve every problem. And it starts with us. And the quote is when a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower. Mm. You blame the environment in which it grows. And so the first thing I always go to first is what is the environment I've created that is either allowing or inhibiting this human being to flourish, to bloom, to thrive. And I, today, that's, that was like that, that Lego instruction manual was the line in the sand of my past versus my future of from here on out, my priority is to the environment first. It's the process over the person. So when you're describing those scenarios, a lot of times we're hiring a, or creating a more person dependent business. And we're looking for those unicorns and we want them to be like us, but not be us at the same time mm-hmm. to do all the things, read our minds, do things that we, even we can't do and do it better than us and wow us constantly. And 
I see so many people trying to do that. And I, I don't see actually a lot of people pulling that off. And I see a lot of people that have failed doing that. And I failed doing that. So I said, this is where there must be a better way. So it starts with the conversation. If I can come and you're working you know, for me and I say, hey, some things are not working and I'm starting to realize it's because maybe I haven't been giving you enough expectations and training and I haven't been clear in my communication of what I'm trying to create and what I'm looking at. And I own that. If I give you better training, maybe we put a standard operating procedure and we just do the same consistent thing. Do you think that we would see an increase in your performance working together? And is that something you're willing to take on? What's happening in this conversation is we're either coaching them up or we're coaching them out. Right. Now, I coach and work with a lot of multiple seven-figure entrepreneurs looking to get to eight. And I say this uh, pretty, you know, declaratively that there's only a few exceptions where if you have to fire somebody, you did something wrong. Mm. And I had a conversation about four weeks ago with somebody who was ready to fire someone. And I said, I, I just want you to know, I think, I think you have failed somewhere first. And that's okay. And that if you want to let them go, let them go. But if we do this right, then what will happen is either you coach them up to the level of expectations that is mutually agreed upon, or they will decide on their own that they don't want to go to that level and they will exit. And the only exceptions are like, if you ever find someone do something really shady, nasty, like We've, we've had that, someone who steals or lies. Those right. are the exceptions. Yeah. So let me amend it and say, you should ne if you do this right, you should never have to fire someone for performance issues. It's about, now I realize I'm in a business that I need to, I need to have more structure, more expectations, and more training. I need to create an environment where my people can thrive. And I hope that's not getting too like intimidating too much for for your listeners, because I'm not saying go out and just hire a bunch of people today. And sometimes people misconstrue that. Your, your business growth happens in stages. There is the stage in which you are in, and there is what that business needs from you. And I, I want to say that, and then I will shut up, I promise. I go on long tangents and I apologize. I love it. But wherever your business is right now and wherever you want to take it within the next 12, 18 months, it, just like in a relationship, you want to you want to be in a loving, thriving, committed, connected, just passionate relationship. Well, guess what? That partner of yours has needs. And if you don't assist in getting your partner's needs met, you're probably not going to get what you want. So take the same concept and superimpose it over your business and realize that you want a business that you love and gives you time off and freedom, all these things which I'm here for it. But the problem is, is you don't understand that it has needs and it can't speak for itself. You actually have to be the advocate for your business because it cannot speak for itself. And so you have to be able to intuit, and that's what a business owner can do. What does this business need from me? And not necessarily from you, the business owner, but just need in general. What does it need? And if you're not giving it what it needs, Number one, who else do you think is going to give it what it needs? You think a magical unicorn employee is going to come in and just know and ask those questions? No. And if you're not giving your business what it needs, how long before it starts to, to suffer? Just like in a relationship. And that's what I realized. The Lego story was my business needs more structure if it's going to continue growing. And that, that was the beginning of changing a lot. So 
And I really love going into the tactical too, because even if someone's listening and they're not in a place where they've hired their first employee, I really wish I was listening into these conversations before I hired yeah. my first team member. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely hired in the beginning with the idea that someone would come in and read my mind and they would do an amazing job. <laughs> I, I still want that. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I would love that. So if you're out there and you're looking for yeah. work, but you know, that's like the exception, not the norm. And yeah. then what gets really scary is like, well, what if they do quit? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing I never wanted is I never wanted to felt that level of vulnerability in my business. Yeah. What if my entire business crumbles because yeah. that person leaves? Yeah. And I even loved the tactical way of showing how to have that conversation because even when I got into business, I was so terrified of having like a, a conversation where I needed to coach someone up or let them know yeah. performance wasn't great. And I also didn't realize how much of that responsibility was on me as the business owner to get the most out of my team. And it's something you often only learn with experience, but I feel like if you can listen in on these conversations, it would have saved me a lot of time. So. Yeah. And, and even if it's like, I'm not ready yet, I like to make sure that I can offer something that's applicable to every mm-hmm. human being that's listening. And I will tell you this, that something that I've learned the hard way is your life works, your business works, and your relationships work to the degree that you are willing to have uncomfortable conversations. And so often in business, the moment you're working with another humanoid that has thoughts and feelings and beliefs and a particular cognitive lens through which they experience you, their work, the future, whatever, talking to them, listening to them and saying the things that feel uncomfortable that you don't want to ask or say, but doing it anyways, because that takes a ton of courage, Mm. can solve so many problems and uncomplicate so many things, clarify so many things, and will like give you so much catapulting of your own growth. And today, part of the reason why it's a team of eight is like they're incredible people. This is what we call an A player. And here's the part that stings. Everyone wants that A player, but A players don't work for B leaders. Mm. And um, and the A players in the room nodding their heads. They don't want to work for, for a B player. And and I'm not here to, you know, toot my own horn. I'm here to just offer what what has worked for me. And my team will tell me it's like, we love your leadership style. And one of the number one things is it's because I'm willing to talk about whatever we got to talk about. And I just had to have a tough conversation with an employee yesterday about their performance. And it went from, I could have ignored it. I could have pretended it wasn't. I could have said, she needs to read my mind. Can't she tell that I'm being passive aggressive and avoiding her? She should ask me what's up and just change her behavior like that. Instead, I just said, we need to talk about your performance in this area. And I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable for both of us, but, and this is the magic words, what the business needs is blank. Mm. And just like to go back to your original question, like when, when you have a team that you care about and you love, well, I have a love and respect for every, I want to for every human I interact with. So of course with my team, but there's also an understanding of, I have to advocate for my business. It's not, we're not doing it for me. Mm. It's not James, the, the, the di- dictator that, you know, I need, you know, my team came down today. It's not because I need an entourage of people <laughs> with me. Not at all. It's like you guys are here to assist if anything else is needed, if we want to capture any other content and they're doing it for a vision that I've casted and not for me. And at every level, 
when your number one question that drives your decision making and your actions is what does the business need, that will that will change everything, including those uncomfortable conversations. This is what, Adelie, this is just what the business needs right now. And I love you, but if you're if you're telling me you're unwilling to give this, then I think I'm hearing you're choosing that you want to exit the company. Is that mm-hmm. correct? So I'm not being a jerk and saying, get the F out of here. But I, I hope that offers something it to make does. sense. Yeah, and I'm nodding, everyone in the room's nodding. I feel like everyone listening is nodding. It's so funny because I remember, I mean, maybe it's sad, not funny, but (laughs) I remember when I started my business and I would hire people, I would feel bad asking them to do their job. I know. I even delegating, I would say things like, and maybe part of it's being British. Is it okay if you, I'm sorry, if don't worry if, and slow, I feel like the only way to get through that is just to do the things that are uncomfortable. And then you realize, wait, that actually got done because I asked for it to get done and they really liked it. And you just get so much better at it. Let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture, and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design, and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, Every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash boss babe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash boss babe, masterclass.com slash boss babe. The other day, the team and I were talking about how much our audience loves biohacking. And whenever we release content based around creating better habits for our lifestyle and health, you all seem to really soak it up and request more. So I wanted to share about our podcast sponsor, Prolon, today because I've never seen a company like this. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe that they're fasting. There are so many strategic benefits to fasting and Prolon helps you hit these goals without actually needing to fast. Prolon's five-day program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all designed to keep your body in a fasted state. And you get everything pre-packaged, labeled, and ready to go, so there's no guesswork. It's super simple, and it works. Extended fasting of at least two to three days has proven to produce unique benefits like cellular rejuvenation, metabolic support, and increased cardiovascular health. So if you're ready for a fasting program that doesn't leave you hungry or exhausted and instead gives you more energy, I highly recommend giving Prolon a try. Right now, Prolon is offering Boss Babe podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash boss babe for this special offer. Prolonlife.com slash boss babe. But you probably felt bad because you thought they were doing it for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they're doing it for the company. They're doing it for the vision that they are being enrolled in. We're we, I got an idea. 
We are going to take this to be the number one business and reach hundreds of thousands of women and you're going to be a part of that. Mm. And so what that vision needs, what that business needs from you is more of this and less of that. And I'm just, they know that about me. They know my team. They know that I'm just the, I'm like the interpreter of what the business needs. And Mm -hmm. they, they've seen it, you know, and I've had to make tough calls on myself. Like, you're right. I can't be doing that or I should be doing that. And I'm not. And when they see that for me, like I'm willing to admit my mistakes, you know, and that's the pressure. We put so much pressure on ourselves from so many directions and it's understandably, but pressure is one of the biggest killers of performance Mm -hmm. at every level of business. So there's no point doing it. Oh, I love this so much. Speaking my language. So going back to this 2 million to 10 million, you said you did this in one year. One year. We have a CFO consultant who's retired. And so he just consults with us in a few small businesses for shits and giggles. But he he was the CFO for freecreditreport.com when they were a startup and they took that to like a gajillion dollars and sold it, right? And he told me, he said, "I've I've never seen a small business do this. And then he asked me, so how'd you do it? And that's what everyone wants to know. And they hate the answer that I give. And, but we've already started to allude to the answer, but Tony Robbins says it, Richard Bandler, it's, he got it from Richard Bandler. He's a founder of NLP neurolinguistic programming, which is a, you know, a model technology based on behavioral therapy and, and, and family behavior uh, therapy techniques and stuff like, like therapists like Virginia Satir and, and Milton Erickson, a hypnotherapist. And he says, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions that you ask. And I so believe that today, that we as entrepreneurs, to be a true entrepreneur is to create something that's never been created. And I believe the way to create through our mind, to to unlock creativity, that's what creativity is, and innovation and imagination is through our questions. You see all the stuff with the chat GPT stuff, people that are getting good at chat GPT are just asking chat GPT better questions. Mm-hmm. We'll ask your own damn mind better questions because the infinite intelligence that you are already connected to is already bigger and greater than chat GPT. We just yeah. don't see that within ourselves. We don't see what we're actually connected to. But we like the computer program. I get it. It's, it's easier. I get it. I totally get it. It's <laughs> the simple, convenient, but I have a different philosophy about what is just simple and easy. I think shortcuts are the long way to get to where you want to go. But when you ask better questions, and I will get to this, this answer here, because this is what's setting that up, you get better answers. The problem is we don't like not knowing the answer because school taught us that I don't know is bad. But I don't know is a beautiful thing because it's having an answer that collapses and shuts down every other possibility. The moment you have the answer, nothing else could be the answer. So when you develop the patience and confidence to sit in that uncomfortable, uncertain feeling of I don't know to a great question, that's when all the divine intuition and answers come flooding through. So The answer I told this very logical 3D business-minded with 30 years of experience and a very impressive (laughs) resume from corporate America, you know, startup companies, all that type of stuff, was I just kept asking myself, what would an eight-figure-a-year business do? Mm. And that became the driving force every, and you have to be very present to do that in your life. And obviously, there's all these studies that say we're like 90% un- 
uh, unconscious and on autopilot with the same thinking and the same, we're just going around merry-go-round every day. And then we wonder why our life isn't different. It's like, well, cause you've been thinking the same and you've been doing the same based on that thinking. And so I had to force myself to be more present. And when a decision would come across my desk, I'd say, well, what would an eight figure year business do? And how would they do this? And how would they show up? And how would they operate? And then one of my favorite questions was, what is the value of an eight-figure CEO? Where does their value and time go? Because we all have a value. It's like your, I call your energon cubes is your combination of your energy and time. There's so many time and energy you decide to dedicate to anything. So if we have a, if we're working with this finite resource called the illusion of time, where in my eight hour day, if I'm going to work eight hours, let's say, where am I putting that at an eight figure level? I'm asking that at 2 million and little by little, the answer started to emerge. So we have to live in the, whatever, wherever you want to go next, you have to live into that question. You have to be in that question. And when you're being in the question, you allow the receptivity of answers. Now, of course, it takes one more thing, which is to trust what you get. And a lot of us really suck at trusting ourselves or trusting what we receive. But the answer that started to come was um, to be the CEO, coach, and mentor to my team. And where I put more and more time was supporting them to be the best in levels of performance, their skills, their management, and their leadership. And I noticed the more I put myself there, the more they grew, stood into their power and just like, you know, home runs were just incredible. And that allowed us, it wasn't just me. And that's what happens when we start building teams. We think it's like the, the pressure's on me. It has to all be for me. I have to have all the answers. I have to be the best. Can't make a mistake. All eyes on me and I have to end up doing it all. And when I got people to be as good or better than me in a team of seven or eight at the time, it was like game over. And um, that was the answer at that level. But the question is the real answer. And wherever that next level of growth is, if every day in every way you can be present to asking that question and leaning in and then trusting whatever, whatever you start to get back, know that it's going to be different. Know that it's going to, it's going to be so different than how you've been doing things. And we, we are so like stuck. It's kind of like a double not an oxymoron, but I'm saying it twice, but it's a, it's like, don't do a double negative, but it's a, we're so stuck in our fixed mindset mm. that we have this stubbornness uh, that is, that is hurting us of an unwilling to change. And I wrote a whole like mini book on this called hardwired for entrepreneurship. And it shows all the ways that all the successful entrepreneurs I know are think so differently about things than the average person that isn't an entrepreneur. And if we are so locked in and cemented our thinking and our and our perspectives on things and unwilling to change that we we can't ex we know this but we we can't expect things to change and we have a ton of bs you know belief systems that are keeping us where where we are and i think if you understand that business growth happens at stages at what degree are you willing to change the way you look at things or change your thinking or change your behavior, or change your routines at a different level of, of growth? Or you're just relying on, I'll work harder and longer to grow it. That's great. And there are phases where you do that. But we all know that those are finite resources, which means at one point or another, you're going to hit an empty 
on the gas tank. But the growth, money, sales, impact, reach is not finite. So are we trying to reach a, an infinite potential with finite resources? And if so, something there is broken. I love that so much. And I'm so curious when you were starting to ask those questions, what were you realizing that you were doing as say a seven figure entrepreneur mm-hmm. that you had to change to step mm-hmm. into eight figures? Yeah. I love that you called out that we often think we need to do a lot more, especially since so many of us are the faces of our business. You think yeah. I can't put my face on anything else. Yeah. <laughs> my face is at capacity. And then we often tell ourselves, okay, that's things our team can't do, which is just a story. There's so much more that can happen. What was shifting for you in that space? The 30,000 foot short view answer is, is, and you're kind of touching on it, is like at every phase and every level, like from seven to eight, it is doing less. Mm-hmm. And there's a, I'll never forget this because I learned this when I went to a marketing conference. Someone said this on stage and I grabbed it and hooked onto it and I've said it for the past 15 years and it's been true ever since. The less I do, the more I make. Mm. The less you do, the more you make. But people that are reaching burnout and overwhelm and questioning, is this even worth it? Are saying that because they're doing more, thinking that the more I do, the more I make. And this triggers the F out of people when I say it. And I'll tell you why. If it triggers anyone listening, that's okay. I I don't mean to trigger people. I piss people off all the time. And I'm not trying to. I'm just saying the things that I wish someone would have told me a little sooner. Our audience love directness. So I think everyone's listening being like, let's say well, it like it is. Well, let's yeah, go. But, it, but it's like directness, but it's also like, that That doesn't make sense. That's not true. Because I've been taught my whole life mm. that I'm valuable because of my effort. Yeah. And I'm saying, no, that's the freaking lie. Mm. You're, you are not your accomplishments. You are not your effort. Your competitive advantage in the marketplace is not your willpower. Because I can just drink more coffee than you and watch more Tony Robbins motivational videos and now I'm better than you. That's it. That's all you've got to offer. So they're, they're, you know, that's where like, yes, think smarter. And it absolutely is. It's think more genius, divergent, creatively and, and intuitively. But the less you do, the more you make. Because you are not the technician of your business. You are not the doer of your business. You are the owner of your business. The Airbnb business that I own is one 30-minute check-in meeting. And that's, that's all I do for that business. Where it gets really tricky is when you decided to start a personal brand business. Whereas you said you are the face. When you become the face, you are the marketing. <laughs> you are the star. You are also the coach or teacher and delivery of it. And everything becomes wrapped around your identity and no one could ever do it as well as you could. But the reality is, is that there are all these other roles that exist in a business. And at every level, I'm doing what I can to get myself out of them. So I want, I want to offer a, a new meaning or interpretation for that common experience that Every entrepreneur feels where all of a sudden they feel that feeling of I'm approaching burnout. When we're approaching burnout, chances are we've been doing what we're doing and we're still doing it. We're doing more of it and it no longer, the, the, the newness wears off of it, the novelty, the excitement of it. And now it's just like, it's killing my soul. But then we, we, it's, it's a battle. We are in a constant battle between who we really are and who we think we are when we look in the mirror. And the burnout is because I'll tell you this right now, who we really are 
whatever, however you want to define that, but the you beyond you that you you see in the 3D physical is always going to win. And so burnout is when, when you, the the 3D version of you lost the battle because it's like a literal illness or killing off of the 3D of you. So isn't that interesting that something that we used to do was fun and exciting and now it's not. And now it's, now it's the thing that's taking us down. Before it was the thing that gave us reason to get up in the morning, the same damn thing I used to love to, why do I hate doing this now? Why is this just like killing my soul? And the way I interpreted it long ago is that that is your soul or higher self or the larger aspect of you telling you it's time to take that off the plate. It's time to stop doing that. It's time to let that go. And the reason it is, is the moment you said, I want something more, like I have a newer goal. I want to grow the business. That more intelligent divine aspect of you is saying, great, then this has got to go. And the only way it needs knows how to tell you how to do that is to make it as painful as fuck until you drop it. The reason pain exists is so we'll pay attention. When a, when a stove is hot and you touch it, it gets you to drop it. And if we didn't have pain receptors, you'd hold on to it until all the flesh melted off your skin. I know that's very graphic. So pain becomes a blessing. So we don't do that. We see something becomes painful. Painful in many different ways. It's heavy. This feels exhausting. I just feel like it was only an hour, but I feel like I'm done for the day. That's a pain. That's like a soul level pain. And then what do we do? We go, but I got to power through because no pain, no gain. That's nonsense. Pain means let it go. And let it go is we call it the data method. It's either delete it, automate it, or delegate it. But when I train myself to means that's, t- that's now below my pay grade and I need to get some, someone or something else to do that for me. People ask me, we, I went to, I had an event uh, uh, back in November person comes up to me and says, I've been following you for years and I follow a lot of other people. I'm going to be honest. Some people feel like when they're up there speaking or doing their thing, you can kind of tell they're over it and they're phoning it in. I said, I know you're not. It was a very nice, that was a very nice thing. I said, what is it? Like, what's the secret? Cause you've been doing this for 16 years. And what I just shared with, with you and your listeners is that's the secret. The moment, the moment something feels tiring or heavy or feels like I don't want to do this anymore, I let that go. But isn't it funny that coming down here and doing a podcast for 15 years in a row or back then we were doing more videos and speaking on stages, that has never felt heavy. That has never led to burnout. I could do a dozen of these and we we're going to do a couple. I'm like, let's go. And I was because that's the thing my soul is telling me you're here to do. And there's a reason why you started a business and it's not to do your customer support. It's not to build landing pages and it's not to do tech. So you need to remind yourself of what those reasons are and you need to get everything that F off your plate and do that. And I love those things. They become all cliche things on Instagram, which is you're not facing burnout because you're, you're doing too much. It's because you're doing too little of what you love. And that is absolutely true. And I don't want to hear the excuses and the circumstances from, but, but I can't afford it. Da, 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 da. It's like, yeah, you can't afford it because you haven't been doing it. You're not going to make money when you're burnt out and unhappy. And you think money's going to make you happy, but it's being happy that makes you money. So you can't afford not to hire that person or delegate. And, you know, when you can get, 
like be scrappy, be resourceful. You can, you can get virtual assistants. You can find people on Fiverr to get things off your plate. You can ask Billy down the street. You can ask friends and family. Obviously that's another conversation about the courage and vulnerability to ask and receive help. But it's, it's like what we were talking about before. It's not helping you. It's helping the vision of your business. And we get to do that together, not just to serve me, serve me, serve me, serve them, serve your listeners, serve your customers. And I can't do this alone. Will you come with me? And we got to do that now because if you're trying to still prove it, I just wrote a post about this. If you're the gas in your tank right now is I'm trying to prove it, whether it's to you or to others, what the F do you think is going to happen to your business once you have? Mm. It's like flying an airplane and the engine just drops out of the sky. Then what? I proved it. Now what? That's why you're doing it. That's, that's total ego. You don't need to prove anything to anybody. There's nothing to prove. If, there's a, a, there, if there was that initial tug, to start something, you need to find that again. You need to go back to what was really behind that tug. And I tell you what, it wasn't to make money. Money is one of the lowest forms of motivation. Money is a tool so that we can do what we can do. We can have nice microphones. We can have amazing cameras and un unbelievable people to help us get this out to a lot of people. And that's what money does. But we're not doing it for money. Money is a means, not, not the destination. So go back to that. What was that pull? And it was to do something that is of service, guaranteed every single time, that is bigger than you, for beyond you, call it a legacy, call it impact, whatever, whatever works for you, but it ain't about you. And then you went and made it about you, or you made it be about all these other things that aren't important. And that's why you're burning out. That's why you're tired. And it's because we let the body take over. We let the... The, the ego, the, the brain, whatever we call it, the three, the, what we see when we look in the mirror take over. Mm -hmm. And we lost that guidance that was telling us to start in the first place. And I think if we switch that, you're going you're gonna to love what you do again. And then, of course, you know, James brings in all the, you know, he, did he just go like weird and woo-woo for a moment? Yeah. And then he's going to bring all his logical, strategic business structure back in. And that's, that's kind of what I love to do is like, mash the the right brain and the left brain and like the the feminine and the masculine and just mush it all together because it is both it is both you know and i really think that when people listen to others say things like you've just said around being able to delegate the things that you know you don't want to be doing anymore or is that not serving your business's next level everyone wants to think they're the exception and they'll give you all the reasons why they have to keep doing what they're doing. I've heard them all. <laughs> yeah. And I've been that person too. I've been the person that's like, what, fight for your limitations and you get to keep them. Yeah. I fought for them. I've, I've tried to convince myself and my team I'm the exception. And it's funny because if you just keep pushing, 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 the universe, God, whatever is going to speak so loud and force you to take yeah. a real look at it. And I feel like for me, when I took my maternity leave, came back, had to leave again because I was like, I, mm. I can't keep doing this. This doesn't work for me. And the only way for me out at that point was to just step back from the business, not keep trying to muddle my way through it. I stepped back and put myself first, my mental health yeah. first. And what was really interesting was firstly, the business survived. Yeah. <laughs> the business was fine. Of course. And secondly, 
I found myself gravitating towards the things that I knew I wanted to be doing because I didn't lose my ambition. I didn't lose the part of me that still wanted to work. Yes, I was doing other things. I was really in my, and I am in my season of mothering, but it didn't mean that I lost my ambition. It looked different and I was no longer willing to just muddle through and okay, if I don't get to the things I love, I'll do them on the weekend. I'll do them on the evening. And when I stepped back completely, I found myself gravitating back towards them. And like you said, it it really isn't about the money. And for me, I started leaning so much more into creating the content that I found fun. And I wasn't even thinking, is this profitable content? Is this? And what happened was it became it. And I had this idea for, I wanted to create a peer group of, of women just like me who were in early stages of motherhood and really struggling with their identity and bridging the ambition and motherhood. And I just thought about the idea and I blinked and the whole mastermind was full. And all of a sudden things just started happening. It was like the universe was saying, look, it gets to be light. It gets to be fun. It gets to be easy. And all the other things that I'd been doing, wading through mud, like I felt just wasn't necessary and it fell away. And I really love to have these conversations because I know so many people listening and they're saying, Natalie, James, I'm the exception. You don't know my business. And I want them to hear, I do. I really do Mm. because I've been there and you do too. And there is another way to do this. Yeah. Well, and I think as I hear what, what you just shared is, you know, the moment you became a mother, you changed. Mm -hmm. And it's the hardest thing in the world for us to see our change because we live our life every day. And the quickest way to notice your change and I learned this the hard way because people would start saying that you've changed. You know, I love that meme of like the caterpillar and the yep. butterfly. And it's like, yeah, you're supposed to. And we are. We're here to evolve. We're here to grow. Like that's a huge aspect of why we're all here and whatever growth means and in whatever direction. But we're, we're here to we're here to do that. But when we experience growth, we don't experience our own growth. We experience the things around us as changing. Yep. And so all of a sudden you come back to this thing and you're like, I don't want to do it this way anymore. It's because you're different and we have to keep up with that. And you did that. And because you chose to do that, then things continued working because the essence of you that makes things work, which we all have that, we can call that that manifestation, that power, that that spirit that resides within you, you maintained that before, you know, becoming a mother and, and after, but how it manifested and how you approach things changed. And I think, I think it's, um, oh, I forget the author. I think it's Kenneth Blanchard, but it's a phenomenal book. Have you ever read Who Moved My Cheese? No. So this is like, what a silly name, right? I is love it a this. kid's book or a normal book? No, it's book? not a kid's like, book. Like, do I need this for Noemi? But here's the thing is like, they, they kind of make a premise in the book that like humans are dumber than rats, which is hilarious. <laughs> and again, it's been a few years, but, but I do my best to paraphrase the book. But when you put... A, a cheese, the stereotypical cheese in the maze, and you have the rats or the mice find the cheese, and then you put them back in the entrance. They will go. They will. They won't go through all the other dead ends, and they'll go straight to the cheese. And they do that ten times. They memorize the, the, the maze. Then they take the cheese out and they put it somewhere else. The first thing the rats do is they go right back and they see it's not there. Then they will find where that cheese is again. Humans don't exactly do that. We just keep going back to where we thought the cheese was waiting for it to show up again. I don't get it. I'm doing all the things. I'm doing it right. I'm doing what I was told to do. Where's the cheese? 
the cheese is moved and we change, we grow, we have different seasons of our life. Just like your business has different seasons and it's a dance with your own changes and the changes of the business. And that's what makes it hard. And you were, there was something within you to be able to, to honor what you were noticing was feeling heavy. Your soul is telling you not this way anymore, Natalie. And what people do instead is they get really scared and they go, no, it has to be. And they go, they white knuckle their life. And you said it yourself, but I love this little metaphor of, um, maybe you've heard this, of first God throws a pebble. Mm -hmm. You're not listening to get the rock. And if you still don't want to listen, you're going to get the boulder. So you're going to learn the lessons that you're here to learn. Do you just want to learn them painfully or like in the most gentle way possible? And I really, I really choose and hope every day. Like I, I pray to, to learn my lessons as pebbles and not big boulders. Cause I've had a few of the boulders in my life and they're extremely painful, but you definitely learn the lesson. And so there was something within you that was able to just like, wow, what like a, a faith to go, this is heavy, so I have to put it down. Versus this is heavy, heavy, so I have to, I have to put myself through more pain and torture. And that's what most people do, because I did that for a long time. And I see that, I see that in others. And then all of a sudden you go, wow, look, it's working even better. And I'm happier. And and um it's scarier, but that is the more effective way. Yeah. And like you said, those memes and quotes on Instagram, even the ones I'm guilty of sharing, you know, it makes, I think it makes growth seem glamorous and it's yeah. like, oh, if you are grow people, you are grow people. And it makes it feel like so light and fluffy and okay, no. on to the next. And it, it for me, it was a boulder and it was really challenging to realize that when I was putting myself back into the same businesses, the same friendships, the same relationships, the same places, yeah. rooms, situations, I had changed and uh -huh. no one else was wrong, No, but it felt wrong to me. Yeah. And it's so easy to, like you said, white knuckle it. But I feel like for me, I'm, I'm grateful that I got such a heavy boulder that it was like, you physically cannot continue like yeah. this because you're going to get sick. And I think also being able to step out of myself and see that it wasn't just for me that I needed mm -hmm. to change, but it was for my daughter. It was for my marriage. It was for my business, my team, my community. You know, it was for more than me. And when I could see it was for more than me, it's how I got to see that it actually was for me. Mm. Because ultimately totally. I know if I'm my best self, then you know, my daughter has the best mom. My husband has the best wife. My, you know, my team have, has the best leader if I focus on me, but it can be hard as humans, yeah. right? To say, I'm going to put myself first. Again, we say self-care isn't selfish, but it feels it. <laughs> it's, it's got self in it though. It must be, right? It's cute on Instagram, You've but it the, feels um, it. The uh, oxygen mask metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. You and always... it's easy to hear, Yeah. but putting it into practice is more challenging, but Sometimes when you can hear someone else talk about it, you're like, you know what? It does make sense. Mm -hmm. And when you do it for yourself, game changer. Okay. I want to close the loop on something sure. that is really powerful. Like you said, is we make more when we do less. Yes. And I had, I've been listening to you a lot and I, and I think you shared two of your products have made you close to $40 million, yeah. two products. Two. And I think that's very surprising for a lot of people because I know we've got One so many- One was $97, so. Okay, so we're <laughs> definitely getting into this. We have so many women listening who are multi-passionate, which is a great thing, 
are still trying to find their footing and trying to find their thing. I was just on a call with someone yesterday who was telling me their offer and they had like 10 offers and you know, they're at the six figure mark. But I'm multi-passionate. And I'm like, okay, we need to find a way to channel that into one thing and simplify. And I love that, you know, they're trying to find product market fit. But at some point it's like Greg McKeon has this amazing diagram of um, energy aligned going in one direction goes so much further than when it's split up into like 10 or 20. Mm -hmm. And that to me just- It's very, it's, it's a very visual product. Suite. Absolutely. Cause I've noticed it myself. Can you talk about those two products? I can talk about so many things about that because it is a really big, big deal. And it's like the multi-passionate thing. I, I, I really want to speak to too. Cause again, I have a different philosophy. I'm very contrarian, not intentionally. It's just, I, I think differently. And I think that's why I have some different results. I'm very multi-passionate. Yesterday I was building a, uh, a drum stage in my home and learning to play guitar the week before I'm rebuilding a go-kart for my, for my nephew, the week before that I'm, you know, refurbishing furniture and building out my woodwork shop and then going mountain biking after that. Like don't, don't talk about multi-passionate. I'm, I'm like so passionate about everything I dive into. Like the last year and a half, I've been diving into learning about music theory and, and music and guitar. And it's just been an amazing journey. And I, I really see myself as like passionate about everything I want to get my hands on to but I don't start 25 businesses at the same time and then call myself a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Mm. Because if you try to chase three rabbits at the same time, you end up catching none. And there is a level of focus and consistency and discipline that is required to get you to that finish line. And we have a motto within our company that is do less, do it better. And the ironic thing is people then do this thing like, well, I don't wanna limit myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, that is so backwards. I'm, I'm so sorry, but it's so backwards because you, I understand where that's coming from. You are infinite potential. You can do anything, but you can do anything doesn't mean you need to do everything. And what's so funny is if you just did the one thing, then you can do anything and everything else. If I was trying to build our signature program and, and take that to multi-million dollar launches with business by design while building an Airbnb business, that would be a lot harder. And I don't know why I would be doing that, but I intentionally waited until I got it to a certain place where it was like, we've unlocked this, we've sustained it, we've proven it. It's like at a rinse and repeat phase of maturity. Now I can do the next thing and then I can come back and I can boom, boom, boom. And if I'm trying to do five things at once, I'm, I'm not gonna do any of them. And this is more relevant today than it even was when I first started talking about it. Cause I talk about the bridge metaphor. We are where we are, which I call reality island. And then there's where we wanna get to, which I call desire or outcome island. And the way to get from where you are to where you wanna be is to build a bridge. So there's all these pieces to build a bridge, but you could get 99% of your bridge done. You're not on destination or outcome island until the bridge is done. And if you're now building five bridges at the same time, 30%, 40% of the way, cause I got, I got an app I wanna do. I'm writing a book and I'm creating a product and we're doing software and we're doing this and da, da, da. you're building 30, 20, 40%. You could even do 90% of all those bridges, but you didn't even get one to the completion line. And so you're just staying busy in the doing doing, 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 which is going Mm. back to the employee mindset. If I just do more, then I'll make more. Mm -hmm. It's backwards. So the less I do, the more I make is how do I get my bridge, one bridge to outcome island 
as efficiently and effectively as possible. Once it's there it's, and it's making money, then I can go build as many bridges as I want. But if you're trying to build five bridges at the same time, it's, I mean, it's been proven you're going to take, it's going to take longer. Then there's the whole phenomenon of context switching, which is every time you switch between bridges or projects, there's a waste of anywhere from like five to 15% in unproductive context switching where you're like, where did I leave off? And you're not in your flow state and like, oh, I forgot this and da, da, da. So that folk, that singular focus is, is so important. There was another question in there that I didn't answer because I wanted to talk about that. Do you remember what you asked? Um, and what the products were and uh, yeah, what yeah, that yeah. looked like. But on the bridge yeah. thing, before we even dive into that, I also feel like, yeah, you probably could build the five bridges at once, but they're going to be smaller, less impressive bridges. Like, wouldn't you oh. rather have one fucking amazing bridge yeah. and be like, I did that and look how effective it is and yes. look how many people get to walk across it versus like, there's a janky bridge, people are falling yeah. through the other bridge. Like that, every time someone falls through it, it's stress. <laughs> like that's how we get into yes. burnout. Yes. The insurance claims, like it's not worth if, it. If people knew how much time we've spent working on our, just within the products and the curriculum and the content, to then the messaging, the branding, the, the 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 training, and all of that, like, oh, I know because I just texted you like what I know, two that nights was ago. So nice. Okay, of you. so you guys, I'm I've, gonna print that out. It's going <laughs> on the refrigerator. That was I've, very kind. I've been just diving it. My, me and my entire team have been in business by design. It is changing the way we do everything. And we were all on a call prepping for this podcast. All of us gushing about, oh my god, but I learned this and I did this, and we're gonna do more podcasts on it, but. I texted you to say, this is the best course I have ever taken. It is phenomenal. And you can tell how much love and work has gone into that. I mean, the fact that you just click a button and a process unlocks. Yeah. I mean, we'll get more into it because I know everyone wants to know, yeah. but you can tell. And what an amazing, you must be so proud to, to know that product is changing so many people's lives. And that didn't come about because you were doing five products at the same time. Nope. It you, was, you put the was, work in. It was uh, that moment at the end of the poker game where they just go all in. Yeah. And I just went all in on that with yeah. all the chips and, and fell in love with that. Something I said recently that is, you know, successful entrepreneurs are more committed and obsessed with solving their audience's problems while str struggling entrepreneurs are more obsessed or committed with solving their own. Mm. And, and that's why they're struggling for a lot. Of, a lot. And, and so I took that whole journey of four and a half years of a lot of pain. Like my beautiful, amazing girlfriend who now works in the company is, is right outside and, and I've known her for 20 years and she was like my closest friend and, and she's a, um, she's a trained psychic. So she's very scary intuitive. And oh, so you're not getting away with anything. No, I'm not getting away with anything. <laughs> but I called her 20 years ago, uh, not 20 years ago, 15 years ago when I like two years into this struggle and said, that's it. I'm done. I quit. It's too hard. Can't do it. And, um, and she wouldn't let me, you know, and it like helped that she was intuitive. She's like, no, it's just give it time, but you're not giving up. I will not let you. And, and she walked me off that ledge, but I was done. I was like, this is too hard. And I look back and I, I have such a respect for that journey because it really was hard for me. And I took all of that. And I said, even if people are facing 10% of what I went through, I'm going to create the thing that's going to solve all of that for them. And that's what, what, what it became was mm -hmm. like, I started looking at all these things where I said, you know, I know we need to niche down. I know that's really important. I teach that. I'm a huge advocate for that. But with the work I wanted to do, I knew that if I put it out there and it was only a piece, 
then it was incomplete. Mm. And so it's been a really hard thing because in one hand, I want it to like be the simple one thing you need. And it's like, but then I would leave my people incomplete with something. Then they'd say, well, then how do I do this part? And how do I do that? And I actually undersell it when I when I talk about it because yeah, I can't I don't want to overwhelm people. Yeah. But I I realized that part of the struggle with getting my business up was I was just missing pieces. I was like, oh, you're also supposed to do that, and I need that, and I didn't even know that. And I was like, I'm not going to not provide all of that. But then I realized, like as we've been talking about too, is like you can't get into the doing. You can't be doing all the doings yourself like you just you just can't and so if you can even just hire five hours a week a part-time like just get the, the there's all these freelance sites where you can get people overseas to just do a job for you for so cheap 20 30 bucks and you can give them one of these processes in bbd that's the whole thing it's like give it to them give them the landing page process give them the survey process give them the process of of sending out the email or build, building your first sales page it's all there they can paint by numbers follow it and for 30, 40 bucks, they do it, but you just save 20, 30 hours of your life mm-hmm. or however for the specific task that it would take. Sometimes it's one hour, sometimes it's more. And then you get to stay doing the thing that you love. And um, and that's where we like, you know, I like text, text you. I don't know if I said this when I texted you back, but it's like, I obviously I really appreciate that, what you said, but it's a great course because I don't see it as a course. Mm-hmm. And the way I see a course is, you have to sit, learn, consume, identify what you need to do, and then go do it. And I said, I want to just skip that part. Let me just give you what needs to get done and let's get someone else to do it. Yeah. And let's let's get you back into that's what we call that role, the role of the digital CEO. And so there's a there's a phrase we use over and over again. It's that the the results that you want in your business are determined by the role that you fill. And if you stay all day in the role of the doer and the technician, you're, you're going to see a lot less results than if you're in that high level role, whatever you want to call that, you can call that the boss, you want to call it the CEO, you want to call it the entrepreneur, it doesn't matter, but you know, you're, you're at the top of your, your own little org chart, you're going to see more results. And that's why the less you do, the, the more you make is so true. It's because there is a very interesting phenomenon that higher value activities tend to require less time and Mm -hmm. effort. Like I said before, those uncomfortable conversations are so hard and and challenging to have, but they can be five minutes. Yeah. Whereas we will lovingly say, I'll avoid that five minute conversation because I got like 10 emails to write, right? five weeks. Exactly. (laughs) So the the higher level, what I call the 5% activities, 5% activities are directly responsible for 95% of your results and we avoid those 5% activities. But they tend to be very little work going live and selling your stuff. You could go on Instagram and make an offer right now. 10 minutes, done, but we're scared to death of it. But we avoid that, but we're doing everything. I'm going to get my new website out, my new branding, and do, 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 all this other stuff that we actually hide behind the busyness. Whereas the simple things, scary, simple, simple things are the things that make us the most money. Do more of that, let go of the, uh, the rest so you're forced into the 5% and your business will grow. Um, well, I want to get into all of that. We're going to do a two-parter because there's too much here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't talk concisely. I talk, I talk in large, large chunks. I apologize. I love it. 
So just to go back to the product, so yeah. then you had a $97 product and then yeah. was- so, so I'm, I'm, uh, I went to film school. I went to yeah. one of the top 10 film schools in the country. It was, it was awesome. I wanted to go into Hollywood. I also got a double major in marketing because I was like, maybe I want to do uh, commercials and I want to have my own ad agency one day. And that was kind of the dream. And, and then I was like, no, never mind. And long story short, I started making like YouTube videos for small businesses in my hometown. And then I went to an event and someone was struggling to put up a YouTube video. It was a marketing event. And I just helped them. And I asked one of those million dollar questions. They were like amazed. Like, mm -hmm. but you could put a video, this is 2008, okay? Um, <laughs> you could put a video on the internet, this is amazing. They're using one of those little old flip cams. If anyone who's, I'm like dating myself, that's scary to even say <laughs> that. Um, it was like before iPhones had video cameras in them. We remember. Okay. We remember. <laughs> so some of these younger kids are like, what do you mean? What did you have before video cameras on your phone? And, um, and she was just so blown away. And I said, really? Like that was because we don't see our own value. And, um, and I asked her that question. I said, would you pay for that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh yes, I will pay for that. And so the little light bulb goes Psh. And uh, in 2000, and, it was in 2010 when I made the decision. And in 2011, I launched um, a $97 product with my good buddy, Lewis House called Video Traffic Academy. And it taught people how to make their first YouTube videos and put it on the internet. And in the first 30 days with $97, it made $400,000 in sales. That product went on to do millions and millions of dollars in sales. And it put me on the map as the niche down as the YouTube video guy. Mm. And what happened next was I had this fast forward to living in my hometown, Laguna Beach, three, three minute, 15 second walk from my front door to feet on the sand. That was important. I needed to be able to walk to the beach and I would get up. I would do my little morning work and I'd go, I always had to time the swells properly, you know, you know, and then I'd go to the beach and I'd surf for two or three hours. I'd come back, do a little bit more work. And uh, sometimes I get a second surf session in and that was it. And I had a friend come and stay with me because it was a second unit. And she watched about a week of this. Now my business at the time was just over a million and she's at 200,000. And part of her's like, you son of a bitch, like mm -hmm. what the hell are you doing? And she was very, very inquisitive about that. And that's when I started to realize that I don't think my purpose here is to help people make a video, but maybe to show people how I did this. And that's, that's where the seeds were planted, which is always funny is like people come in your life to show you and reflect back to you the value that you're creating in the world. And, and I've had those moments where people were like, like, I just didn't think it was a big deal. Even you're like, you must be proud. I was like, I don't know, maybe I should be, but like, I'm just doing what I'm yeah. doing and it's just who I am, you know? And, um, maybe I shouldn't take that for granted, but, but we have those moments and this person was just, I'm, I'm making 200,000. I'm working seven days a week and it's sun up to sundown. It's, it's nonstop. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? And I started coaching her and I showed her in one month. By the end of January, we started working at the end of the year and we worked for one month and she made more money in that one month than she had the entire year. And then wow. nine months later, she was at a million dollars. And that's when I was like, maybe I should be doing this. Like, I, I want to help people figure this out. And that's when I actually launched the beta version of Business by Design. And today I teach people the same model, which is like, get out of your head, stop overthinking it and just put the first version out. And so I said, 500 bucks, I'm teaching 25 people. 
I don't know what we're teaching, but you're going to get on eight live calls with me and I'm just going to answer questions and I'm going to start like Mm -hmm. telling you what I've done and we'll, we'll see what comes from that. And uh, that was the first version of Business by Design. At the time, it was called James Woodmore Super Awesome, Amazing, Amazing Sexy Beta Program. And so names don't really matter. Was it uh, actually called that? Yes, I'm dead serious. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so listen, no excuses if you're listening and you don't have a name yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. No excuses. You either have a great name, like there's, there's a small bracket of like the best names on the planet. Yeah. And then there's like bad names. And then there's this huge margin in the middle where it's like, good enough. Yeah. Like, good enough. <laughs> just go. Right. Yeah. And um, are we saying your name was good enough? I thought James Wedmore's super awesome, amazing, sexy beta <laughs> program would be good enough <laughs> to get my beta in. But I knew I had so to change good. it. Yeah. And the um, funny enough, how I came up with the name was after I sold the beta and I got my 25 members in, I started saying, I got to figure out what the outline is for this. I gotta figure out what I, I knew. I, what I knew. is it I'm selling? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like I knew what it, what the end result was because it was what I was doing myself. But I said I don't know how I'm going to deliver it in what order. So I started writing the outline. I said, well, I want the first call to be a, really about how to set up your business, like like design it your way. Like I want mm-hmm. you to build your business by this. That's it. Build by business by design, and that was it. I registered the domain, and like we were off to the races, and. And whatnot. And so that led me to another breakthrough in my life that um, people are waiting for clarity before they take action. Mm. It's the opposite. It's action creates clarity. Yeah. And so when you just take that first step, the next step always, always appears, it takes courage and faith. But you just take that first step. I don't care that it's messy because it's going to get better. And it did. And what it is today versus when it was started is completely different, completely different. But the point is I got started. Yeah. And like they say, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think it can be really easy to look at what other people's not finished product, but, but product that's been tested so many times and created over such a long period of time and say, well, I can't launch mine until it's as good as that. And it's never going to be like that the first time around. And I really encourage people not to make their course or anything that they're creating that good first time around because probably people are going to come and tell you so many things are missing from it you know what i have to go re-record this because i missed it yeah and so it's so much easier to to start like you said just listening and finding product market fit as you go yes and get that feedback that real-time feedback you know james could you do a little bit more training about this could you answer this i didn't see anything but oh that's good yeah definitely add that and that's how we created it. It's like my first few rounds of customers is what created it what it is today. Here's an example of that. All those processes you're talking about, I only had a handful of them and they were buried on the second page of the portal. Mm. And then I, I was showing it to one of the customers in, in real life because we had a little like meetup workshop and they hadn't even noticed it. And then when they clicked on the second page, I was like, no, no, we'll go over here. And I saw their reaction. It's the same theme. Yeah. And they're like, oh my, what is this? <laughs> Why did I you was like, bury this in the back? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, you, you think that's valuable? Like you like that? Okay, good to know. Mm. So we, how are we going to make it perfect when we don't know what perfect is because we haven't asked our audience. They haven't told us and they don't even yeah. know until they experience it. So yeah. feedback's important. I know. And if anyone's listening, like, wait, I need to get into this. Just wait, because we're doing something really fun. We're doing, boss babes collaborating. Okay. So just wait, there's going to be more. James, I'm going to give you a little break because I have about a thousand more questions for you. Great. So we're going to come back. But thank you so much. This has been incredible. Okay, good. Thank you. We were we recording this or was this practice? No, this is practice. Okay, good. We're going to stop. I'll do the good stuff later. Yeah, 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 it's coming. (laughs) 
Okay, you know me, I am the biggest believer in investing in my education and growth as a business owner. And since you're listening to the podcast, I know you're the same. So I need to tell you about a brand new, totally free training that James Wedmore is hosting. It's called Rise of the Digital CEO, and it's a live three-day digital workshop designed to show you exactly how to create a successful, scalable, and highly aligned business in 2023. The entire Boss Babe team is attending and we're going to be learning the cutting edge strategies, processes and tactics to double down on our growth this year. And I would really love to have you there with us. It's going to be an absolute game changer. So if you are ready to take your business to a whole new level, reserve your spot by sending me at IamNatalie a DM on Instagram with the word CEO and I'll send you all the information you need. That's at IamNatalie. DM me the word CEO and I'll send you all the information that you need.